Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max. Right there, we've got Dave. We are two guys that love Florida State. We love talking. And every single night, we get together and we talk about Florida State football to bring y'all episodes five days a week. But Dave, I feel like our job is a little easier today. You know, it's been almost a month since Florida State lost a football game. And on Saturday, we won in absolutely dominant fashion. So like we do every week... We're going to have a little post-game meal. It's where we're going to do our appetizer. We're going to take you over to the entree, the good, the bad, and the rest as it is this week. Because there's a little bit of both. There's nothing ugly. It's nothing crazy exciting. And then we're going to go have some dessert. So sit back, relax. Let's do this together. And before we get going, make sure that y'all are subscribed on YouTube. You're following us on the podcast app. Comment below in the YouTube. You can comment live on this episode. Tell us what's on your mind. I love responding to those. And make sure you drop us some five-star reviews in the podcast app. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, David. Yeah. How are we doing, yeah. buddy? Hey, Well, Bell Revenge Week went just as planned. I don't care that it's UMass. I grew up in Massachusetts. I couldn't possibly be happier about where we are right now. The only thing I didn't really like was watching him lose was how confused he looked. Like, it was almost insulting. <laughs> He's, like, looking at the field, like, what, what are we doing out there? It's like, what do you mean? Like, what, like Walt, in your brain. How were you expecting this game to go? Honestly, watching what Sam Howell's done over the past three years and knowing that he's going to leave to go to the NFL and North Carolina is not only have going to go on 0-2 against Florida State, but to steal from Ingram talking about Miami, done nothing meaningful with this little window they've had. I mean, nothing. Yeah. They didn't win the conference. They didn't really – I don't know. Did they? Win? I don't think they won a BCS or a New Year's Six Bowl. They just – They've done nothing with it, and he'll go, and we'll all see that Mac Brown was a decent, you know, placeholder, but there's really no future for football at UNC, and that'll be wonderful, and I, I just, I now don't lose any sleep over the whole Walt Bell thing. It's like, dude, okay, Sam Howell would have been nice, but I don't really know if the result's that much different, except maybe we're stuck with Willie Taggart even longer. And now you're at UMass winning a collective one game in a three-year span and getting absolutely annihilated by Florida State. So that made me happy. But for the appetizer, what's your what's your high-level deal? Like, what's your takeaway from this? How are you feeling now that we've had 26-some-odd hours to process the game? Well, I'm not going to overreact. Uh, it can't be emphasized enough how much this was UMass. I mean, dear God. I was actually like weirdly impressed with some of the stuff they did on like the lines of scrimmage. Like we'll talk about this later, but our D line was not getting the kind of pressure I thought they would. And it was just bizarre, but that's too low level, high level. I mean, this is what we should have been doing to F low level FBS and FCS opponents now for years. And it's funny. I made a comment in our group chat. It feels like we haven't done this in 10 years. We almost hadn't done that in right. 10 years. And we took care of business. 
things are clearly more on the right track now than they have been in years. And it's, you, I don't want to get too excited over a UMass win, but I mean, it feels good. Three weeks in a row, we've taken care of business. So I'll say this. It, yes, it's UMass, right? It's not the result of the game necessarily that has me so excited. What I'm excited about is this is the first time I've put my faith in a Florida State team yeah. that, hey, we got a bye week at a good time. We're going to come out rested and we're just going to murder UMass. And they haven't broken my heart. Yep. They actually did it. They, just, You know, it's like you don't get a slap on the butt and an attaboy for doing what you're supposed to do. But when you haven't done what you're supposed to do in years, you kind of do. Right. And I think that that is where I find reason to be excited is this could have gone the other way. This team could have come out. And going, oh yeah, we're the best. We beat North Carolina. We beat Syracuse. Blah blah blah. They could have taken the bye week not seriously at all, and yep. we could be sitting here trying to explain why Dylan Gibbons getting a minor injury and them deciding to rest him made it so we lost to UMass. And that's not what we're doing. We are celebrating Florida State winning this football game, fifty nine to three. Fifty nine to three. Alex Mastromano was on the field one time, I think. Was he even on the field? I I don't know. Yeah. It was hard to pay attention as we racked up so many points. And the only reason they scored three points was because of how fluky, okay, Travis J gets stripped while he's returning we'll the kickoff. Whatever. Great. They get the ball at their own, like, tw- or our 20 and they still only get three points out of it. And those are the only points they score all day. And I loved, I just loved that this coaching staff grew. You know, we talk about all the time. You guys see it on tape Tuesday, which I can't promise I'll bring it to you all this week. It may be next week. I'm getting on the road tomorrow, Monday, as you're listening to this. I'm driving eight hours to Atlanta to go house hunting for my new job. If anyone has recommendations, let me know. I will also be very bored driving eight hours. If anyone wants to talk Florida State football, DM me and we can talk on the phone because I will be that bored. I will talk to random strangers from the internet. That being said, we just like, we just took care of business and a Florida State team has not gone out there and taken care of business in a very long time. And this coaching staff realized, hey, we treated Jacksonville State like a scrimmage. We need to just go take care of business. And then they just did it. I know I've said take care of business too many times. Truthfully, I kind of lost my thought when I was telling you guys to call me in my car on the drive. The point I was getting at was I talk about Tape Tuesday. Hey, we see a play, right, that we do well. And then I look back and it's like, hey, but we didn't do that so well last week. If you go back and watch, uh, I believe it was my sticking to the screen episode. And I showed how we blew a screen pass against Notre Dame. We just blew it. Like they... What was that, Dave? It was like third and 18, and we gave it to him. The next week, Louisville, two weeks, I'm sorry, two weeks later, Louisville tries to run a screen, and our D-line sniffs it out, two-yard loss. Love to see that kind of growth. This was the coaching staff's version of that. They saw what happened when they tried to treat it like a scrimmage against Jacksonville State, and you could tell this time their game plan was built around UMass, and they did what we said we wanted them to do. Go out there and scare the heck out of people by making a statement and putting up 60 points, and hey, They didn't fully listen. They put up 59, but I'll forgive them for that one. You know what? They can have that one point on me. It'll, I'll give it to them. Uh, Let me say this. 
this was a different third game in a row where three games ago, we won a close one, which we almost never do. Last week, we beat a ranked team that nobody thought we'd beat. And now we took care of business against a clearly inferior opponent. Those are all three things that we haven't seen a whole lot of in a long time. And I'm sure like a lot of you, I am now ready to be hurt again by this Florida State team. We'll talk about this probably tomorrow, but I'm going to go into Clemson feeling a lot differently than I would have three weeks ago. Holy hell. Yeah, no, I absolutely will too. And I want to dive into that on the good, the bad, and the other for our entree. But before I do that, folks, I got to tell you about prize picks. Oh man, prize picks is a fickle mistress. I'll tell you that. It is a daily fantasy format that is pretty unique. Instead of drafting a team and competing for fantasy points against a whole, you know, pool of people called a league, it's just you against you. You draft players and each player has a prop, which means a performance thing. Uh, and you set, you pick, are they going to go under that number or over that number? And if your entire team, you select right, you win some money. If all of them don't get it right, you lose, you don't. So my entry for this week, I had Jay Sean Corbin, 92 and a half rushing yards. I took the over. He got 127, that hit. Garrett Schrader, over 167.5 passing yards. I took that. I didn't think he'd have as good of a game as he did against Virginia Tech, but he did. That hit. Jordan Travis, under 207 passing yards. I took that. That hit. And my fourth one, I needed all four for my entry to pay out. $200 was Ontario Wilson. 0.5 touchdowns. That means he one touchdown from <laughs> Ontario Wilson, and my 20 bucks turns into 100 And he dropped that ball that hit him right in the hands on the goal line. I was frustrated, but... That's what makes it fun. So download a prize picks from the app store and use promo code locked on when you make your account. And if you put a hundred bucks in, they'll give you a hundred dollars for free. So Dave, let's get into the main course. Let's give people the good, the bad and the rest. Let's pinball back and forth a little bit. Hit me with the good from this. From your perspective. Where do you even start? Um, The defense played fantastic. The linebackers for the most part, we're not nearly as bad as we've seen them in a long time, and I've given them a lot of grief. Uh, there were some good individual efforts. There were some good individual plays. Um, oddly, we didn't do a lot of sacking, but I thought the defensive line played well overall. But that's all leading up to the secondary and my favorite player on this team, Jarvis Brownlee. Ooh, did he have himself a day. And, and again, UMass, but little coming out party. Big pick six after dropping one, and that was so good for me to see a guy not just get in his own head, which we've seen at Florida State way too much lately. The guy makes a dumb play, and it just compounds, and everything goes downhill from downhill from there. That didn't happen. Jarvis Brownlee, my hat off to you for doing that. On the that offensive was, side. That was twice we did that, right? Both times it looked like, oh, no, UMass is going to drive. We ended right. it with an interception. First in the end zone. With uh, was that Jarian Jones? Or was that uh, no? That was Jamie, 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 Jamie Robinson. Yeah, yep. I mean, yep. and and that's the thing, dude. It's like that you can be pissed that UMass was even driving to begin with, right? But that's what good teams do. They take bad situations and they flip them. Now, am I saying we're a good team? Not necessarily, but we sure as heck played like one in that scenario because I think Florida State last year, sure as heck, Florida State in two thousand nineteen probably gives up a touchdown on that fumble kick or a turn probably gives up at least a field goal when their UMass gets in the red zone again 
Instead, we stand up tall and you do what you should do. You pick off a bad quarterback on a bad throw in the end zone yep. and you get the ball back. I'm glad you said maybe we're not a good team. I don't think we're a good team, but we're doing good things. And I don't think you become a good team until you start doing good things, if that makes sense. Totally agree. And we saw, we saw plenty of that. I mean, on the offensive side, we didn't, we did whatever we wanted to. It's funny because PFF graded this the second worst running game we have had this season, which I watched this game with these two eyes. And I know a lot of other people who did too. And other than some Ja'Kai Douglas runs at the end of that game, we literally did anything we wanted. I think we were averaging over 10 yards a carry for most of the game. And yeah, we, we literally, we, we, we absolutely had our way with them. We had 9.7 yards per play. I think theirs was like God. three and a half. So there was a, there was a six yard per play Delta. Listen to UMass to put in perspective. I'm just going to show y'all watching on YouTube, my screen, what I'm looking at. If you're not watching on YouTube, folks, Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube. Come on, you can do can it. Do it. Uh, hit the little notification bell. So look at this game. I mean, we, by the way, we ran, I believe, 60 plays. They ran 61, or it was 59, 61 different play. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, let me zoom in for the people. But, oh, zoomed in on the wrong screen for me. It doesn't matter. Y'all can see this. So look, you, you go in here and like, you just look at these stats and it's, again, it's nothing prolific. But it's what a good team should do against a bad team. And David, how many times these past, I mean, really five years, like I'm counting last year, right? other than that one game against Alabama, right? How many times have we seen this team not do what they're supposed to do? So it's like, yeah, again, I'm happy about it. I mean, look at these rushing numbers, 365 yards on the ground, folks, that's uh, that's insane. That's it, so hard to do against right, anyone. I don't, I don't care if it's UMass. That's a ton. We averaged 8.1 yards a carry. It was like everyone got a huge run. Jordan Travis got a big one. Freaking Jay Sean got a 29 yard run. Several. Toa Philly, 38 yard run right there. Trayshawn, DJ Williams both had 23 yard runs. By the way, DJ Williams' 23 yarder could have been a 99 yard. The only reason yeah, it's 23 right. yards is because the goal line was there and he had to stop running. I mean, he had everyone beat. It was great a to see great him run from a guy that I'll be honest has underperformed a little bit compared to our expectations. We thought we'd see more of him, but I, you know, I look, it's good to see him doing that. And what's really cool is to see some of these receivers that really came out, right? Andrew Parchment, two solid catches and Cam McDonald. Cam McDonald was horse there. But what I like is that, again, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Folks, this isn't a good receiving core. Most sacks, and in fact, a lot of Jordan Travis scrambles, are because no one's getting open downfield. Right. And we're still finding a way to spread the ball to seven receivers. So I like to see that. But, David, we got to talk about the bad, and I'm going to start, if oh, you yeah. don't mind. I will say, I'm, I'm going to share, when I share my MVPs, it will be someone in this group. But the defensive line, I, they just, I don't know if it was that they were, I, they did play the younger guys more. When I look at the PFF of, you know, who got a lot of snaps, it looks like some guys that we don't really talk about very often did get several snaps. I just, you know, I mean, gosh, Patrick Payton got 16 snaps at nose tackle. I, I'll be honest, I've never heard of that guy. Right. Um, you look at defensive left end, TJ Davis got eight snaps. Um, sorry, folks, being a little unorganized. One more thing about the good. 
How refreshing was it to see? Because it was it was TJ Davis. He made a mistake. And then when he went to the sidelines, Odell ripped him a new backside. I mean, yep. was in it. And then TJ went to kind of walk away and Odell freaking grabs him and is like, oh, no, 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 I'm not done with you, dude. He's screaming in his face. He, I'm not, look, I'm not advocating screaming at young men. But I am seeing a coach that, and there were like eight minutes left in the game. We're up like 52 to three and Odell is losing it on this fourth stringer for making a mistake. That is the sign of a well-coached team and a coach right. staff that gives and that was that cool Willie, to see. Not that Willie Taggart indifference where either no interaction occurred at all and thus no teaching moment, or it was just this, ah, it's okay. You'll get it like, next time. It's like, what are you supposed to learn from that? I mentioned some decent play and individual efforts out of some of the linebackers. And look, I'm not here to single anyone out. I, I, I'm proud of all these guys for all their efforts. That's what I know that's what we're supposed to say. But dear God, man, Stephen Dix was a four-star highly touted recruit. And against UMass, he was by far the worst graded player on the team. And he didn't play inconsequential snaps. There were just so many moments where it looked like he didn't know where to be or what to do. Physically, he has all the tools and all the talent. It, it, I don't know if maybe it's a coaching issue. It's tough for me to say. But I, I just expected so much more out of him this year. And against UMass, that was such a prime opportunity for him to have a coming out party and you know just yeah. play like we expected. Let me caveat that a bit. I think this will make you feel better. Steven Dix is not a coverage guy at all. It's just not his skill yeah. set. And he was in 22 snaps. 16 of those were in coverage. Six of those were in rush, were against a rush. And his rush defense grade was actually 12th highest on the team. It was his yeah. coverage grade. But that's, I think that's a good thing to look it's at. It's not right? nothing, yeah. His coverage grade put him at 23rd on the defense. So I, I do wonder, is that Steven Dix had a really bad game? Or Stephen Dix wasn't big. They asked him to do something he shouldn't have been. Right. And that's what right, I say. Because, I, I because when I look at I coverage know. right here, let me see. Linebackers, Cortez Andrews, uh, seven snaps in coverage, second highest graded coverage guy on the team. To Kalen Brooks, 10 snaps in coverage, sixth graded coverage guy on the team. Kalen Deloach, 23 snaps in coverage, seventh best coverage guy on the team. Demore Tate, 12 sna snaps in coverage, 10th best coverage guy on the team. So my point is yeah. there, guys, you have... One, oh, no, I'm sorry. Demore Tate's a cornerback. I, I read that initial wrong. Kier Thomas, he's one of a guy. Where else do we... All right, so we'll yeah. stick to linebackers. So look, in the top 10, two of your top 10 coverage guys are linebackers. So why do you need your guy out there, um, Stephen Dix, covering on 16 of his 22 snaps? That, that is kind of a personnel thing to me, right? Like, that's a yeah, little... I'm don't put him out there for coverage. Because, again, he had an 80.6 in tackling and a 67.2 in rush defense. So there's been, there's been some kind of issue with either personnel and or coaching at all times for what feels like a decade now. And yeah. I'm, I'm of the belief that this team will take another step when the linebacker play improves, not just because of that, but I think that's going to be one of the problems that has to be solved before this team takes the next step. Yeah, I agree. And then just to kind of round out the point I was making, DJ Lundy, 18 snaps in coverage, 51.7 grade. Um, yeah. I'm going through all the linebackers right now. Yeah, and, you know, it's like Dix and Lundy are kind of your two options at that Mike linebacker spot. Yeah. Well, maybe when it's a sheer passing down, you find a play way nickel. to get Andrews. And, <laughs> right, you find a way to get like an Andrews and Deloach combo on the field, and you play some nickel back. But look, 
if y'all find yourself like the coaches and or the players, and maybe you're not making the best decisions when you have to, it could be because you're hungry. And maybe you're hungry because you haven't been getting the right mix of protein and carbs. And you need to correct that. It's that simple. Look, we can't make our linebacker coach go out there and get a bunch of five stars. Might have to get a new linebacker coach, but that's a talk for another day. But we can give you a promo code that's locked 15 to go to builtbar.com and fix your protein to carb ratio deficit by getting yourself a delicious and nutritious snack that only has five grams of sugar, five grams of carbs, but has 18 grams of protein. So do yourself a favor, go to builtbar.com, use your promo code locked on, get a built bar, and you'll never be hungry again. That part's not true. You'll be hungry again, but you'll feel good when you had it. Builtbar.com, promo code LOCKED15. Oh, you got to let me do the other. Oh, you got to let me start. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do the other. All right, so the good. We did the bad, which for you, for me was the D-line. For you, it was uh, the linebacker play. Leaves, leaves some to be desired. What's the other, David? What is the other for you? In the group chat with you and Drake during the game, if we practice special teams, and I genuinely don't say that facetiously. I, I seriously wonder if we do. It's funny because we put a lot of our starters on special teams, and yet it is by far the thing this team is worst at. It's, it's not like it's single-handedly causing us to be where we are, but I don't know why we run kick, kicks back when we do. When we yeah. do it, it never works out well. I don't know why we don't field punts when we should and field punts when we shouldn't. It just seems like the only thing we do right on special teams is Alex Mastromano. That's it. Other than that, I have no confidence in catching a punt, in returning a kickoff past the 18-yard line, If apparently if not fumbling, you know, we're making a field goal. And those are three pretty basic things, especially the catching of a punt and the deciding of whether or not to return a kick and not fumbling it if you do. So... Special teams, man, I just, I don't get it. And if there's not a shakeup during the offseason in that regard, I'm going to be just beside myself. Yeah, I mean, we're late enough in the year where we can just start hyperbolically calling for coaches' heads. I have I have a list, folks, of, of coaches I want gone. And Papuchas is now on that list. I, I think what we're doing at defensive end is a lot like giving the running back coach credit when Dalvin Cook was here. I don't know if... He really has a lot to do. And when I'm watching the game, there were a lot of times where containment gets busted and it's clearly because of a defensive end stunting in and not getting proper coverage on the outside. Maybe that's the linebacking coach's fault, but that's the other guy I want gone. So either way, it, special teams is abysmal. That's supposed to be Mike Norvell's hallmark. Right. Papuchas has to go. He's coaching DNs and special teams. I want that coach out of the building. This there There was no excuse for the special teams performance we saw. Look, I'm gonna bury. I'm gonna put the cart before the horse here for tomorrow's episode, and when we're gonna talk more about the Clemson game, I think you're in a spot where Florida State has a very real, not a guaranteed, but a very real chance to beat the Clemson Tigers. No one would have thought that was the case three months ago. But to quote Denzel Washington, you have to be perfect in every aspect of the game. This Clemson team is down, but you're not gonna beat them fumbling the ball at your own 25-yard line. Clemson scores a touchdown there, and that may be enough to win Clemson the game. 
Because yeah. again, you're going to need to grab some of those fluky plays. You got to catch punts. You cannot let them roll from the 15 to the three yard line. Okay. Yeah. You, you can't, you need to try to return some, even if you only get one or two yards, you have to make an effort and hope you break one there and hope you flip the field a little because you're going to be playing a field position game. I did not like what I saw from special teams. That being said, I did want to shout out. I, I said that the D line worried me and they did, but it looks like we still had six sacks on the day. So Marcus Cushney grabbed two. Good for him. Yep. DJ Lundy grabbed one. He's not a line. He's not a, uh, not a, a lineman, but whatever. And then True Thompson and McClendon each grabbed themselves a sack. And Jared Jackson cleaned it up with one, but haven't heard True Thompson's name in a while. Love to see him in there. McClendon is a young guy. We're very high on. The reason I'm pointing that out is because I, I, I get worried about what's this D-line going to look like? Jermaine Johnson leaves. When Jermaine <laughs> Johnson's gone. So it's good to see some young guys getting in the mix. Now, David, for dessert, we've got three things. First, I want to know, who was your offensive MVP? It's it's too obvious, but Jay Sean Corbin, man, he is not slowing down. It's clearly he is who we've seen all year. It's he is a special running back. I don't know that he's Cam Akers or Dalvin Cook, but he is Jay Sean Corbin. And that's a pretty not. damn good running back. I know. I, I will say Dalvin. I don't know, but Cam. I, look, and you guys can yell at me on Twitter for for blasphemy, but 127 yards, 11.5 yards of carry. It's like he, you know what it is. He has that Dalvin Cook home run factor. You just know if you give him the ball enough, that big run is coming. And you wait and he for falls forward with bated breath. And he falls forward. And that's what you want to see in a running back. It's, Dude, it's he's refreshing. 7.9 yards of carry this season on 86 <laughs> carries. That's nuts. I, I'm going to look up what, what Dalvin's was, but while I'm doing that, give me your defensive all-stars. Give me a couple, though, because I think defense is a little more nuanced. You can't just have one MVP. Jarvis Brownlee, man, I mentioned him earlier, but the guy was all over the field. He graded as the you said Jarvis, Bra- sec- you said Jarvis Brownlee. Yeah, man, second highest graded player overall on defense, ninety-two point one, including ninety-two point four in coverage. We haven't seen coverage like that since from a cornerback since Jalen Ramsey left. I think. I, yeah, I, I'm not going to call him. What a nose for the ball in that pick. What, right. what was that pick? Like seventy yards, seventy-five yards. Jalen Ramsey play, and I'm not going to call him Jalen Ramsey, but we've missed that presence. And I said before the year, he's that kind of guy that just plays with reckless abandon and hits hard. Like I, I compare him a lot to Bob Sanders, who I thought was like a really particularly hard hitter for the Colts. And he's not quite Sean Taylor, but he plays with that same reckless abandon. And I think he's going to develop into a guy who could find himself as a top pick in the NFL draft. And we, that, that's the kind of presence we need in this secondary. A guy that hits hard and poses himself and is talented enough to go get himself drafted in the long lineage of DVU. Yeah, I I agree, man. And I think that seeing him come alive was great. For me, I'm going to go backward. I'm going to go the other direction so we're not bouncing all around. My defensive MVP, I have a couple. Um, I guess my all-stars, I apologize. Uh, I got to go with my guy, Fabian Lovett. I mean, if yeah. you didn't see the interviews... Uh, so Fabian Lovett recently had a kid and, uh, his son was born, I think at 26 weeks, maybe like, and if you don't know a full-term pregnancy is 40. So his son was born very early. I think it was 26. It might've been like 30, but either way has had several operations, had to have a, uh, a feeding tube installed, all, all kinds of stuff that just is really, really to go through as a parent and God, what a way he's responded. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I 
it sounds kind of hokey, but you know, maybe playing for something really does change people because gosh, I mean, you see him out there, he's only out there, you know, 17 times he's got an assisted tackle and he's not doing a whole lot on the stat sheet, but he's also our highest rated defender because his rush defense does 75. Cause he's just, he fills holes. He's just, he clogs up the gap. He knows how to create sacks for other people. I think is what's cool about yep. watching him. I did a breakdown on it like four weeks ago against in the Notre Dame game, but he does the same thing. He is very good at pushing the quarterback where that quarterback should go. He's also good at, you know, stretching the play from the middle against the run. And it's cool to see that. Um, also Marcus Cushing, y'all know I was the Marcus Cushing stand. Like I was pumped when we got him, not pumped, but I thought, I thought people were being too hard on him for coming from an FCS team and doesn't look, he hasn't been an all American, but got two sacks. And I love to see that for him. my offensive MVP. Uh, usually I would force myself to say someone else, but it is also Jay Sean Corbin. I mean, Dude, he's something else. I mean, yep. 7.9 yards of carry. And to put that in perspective, I, I looked it up. Um, Dalvin Cook in 2016 was averaging 6.1 yards of carry. He had 1,765 yards on 288 carries. If Ja'Shawn Corbin kept his average in a 288 carries, he'd have 2,300 rushing yards. Yeah, right. So does that mean he's as good as Dalvin Cook? Absolutely not. I know that'd be blasphemy. But it does mean he's having a very good season, and he's having a very special season. And I, I mean, Dave, would you be surprised at this point if Jay Sean's not here next year? If he keeps playing like this, he's gonna find himself drafted. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah, and I just I don't see how I don't. I, I, yeah, I, it just I, you're a running back, man. You only have so much tread on the tires. Get the money right, and I won't be mad about it, it because we got Trayshawn Ward backing him up. And right. now we're seeing DJ Williams can run, can still move his feet. And, you know, maybe Toa Philly will finally put on 10 pounds. Um, but yeah, just look, my final take, and then we're going to have a little bit of dessert. It was just a great day to be a Florida State fan. We took care of business the way you're supposed to. It was against a bad team. I get it. But I don't care. Because we were 0-4, wondering if we were going to win a game again. We squeaked by against Syracuse. We then dominated. And I don't want to say dominated. We beat handedly a North Carolina team who was ranked, who's a very good team. And then we had a bye week. And for the past five FSU teams, pretty much, a bye week has been a recipe to come out flat, to look like crap, to go to the bars and not care for two weeks. And this team came out like they were pissed off and wanted to make a statement. And they absolutely pummeled one of the worst teams in the FBS like they're supposed to. Right. So David, dessert. Let's give the folks some dessert and send them out of here. Uh, I mean, look, number one. <laughs> we, we both are going to say the same thing, right? I'll let you say it. You can, you, you can have the fun. I got to, have, I got to steal your uh, offensive MVP. LOL. At Clemson. Oh, how the mighty have fallen so quickly, <laughs> man. I mean, oh. we don't know who we're going to face at quarterback because – both of their quarterbacks are so bad. I was loud wrong on DJ Uyunglele, and I am so happy about it. My God, did he look bad. Pitt toyed with them for a lot of that game. Clemson never really felt like a threat to win that game to me. And no, I'm, again, I'm not saying, I'm not going to sit here and say we should beat Clemson. I'm also not going to tell you that I wouldn't be upset if we did. 
because that is not a good football team. They're a decent defense, maybe a good defense or a very good defense. But dear God, that offense might be the worst unit between the two of our teams. They can't move the ball. And we haven't seen anything like cleansing from them like that in a long time. And ha, ha. Yeah, I I tweeted out a picture of it. So go find it at Knowles Anonymous. But they have a serious culture problem. I talked about last week how they were celebrating that touchdown against Syracuse at the end of the second half, like they just won a Super Bowl. Same thing this week. They were they had to stop Syracuse. They're taking horrible timeouts, by the way. Dad was burning his timeouts with like five minutes left, just showing yeah. that he has no idea what the hell he's doing out there because he's not a coach. He's an insurance salesman that got a lot of booster money. And he's just he's just a joke. He's a phony man. He's a phony. He's a fraud. So anyway, he's he's doing what dumb coaches do, burning his timeouts too early. And sure enough, they stop him and personal foul on Clemson. Pick gets a first down, all but assuring they win the game. The kid who gets it, his helmet had gotten knocked off. He like walks to the sideline, and as he's about to get chewed out, just literally didn't give a didn't give a you know what, just couldn't, just not a care in the world. Just his face was like, well, whatever, that's fine, it's cool. It's just they have a culture problem, and it's awesome to see. I hope it just rots and metastasizes and just decays that program. Someone made a good point today on a pod I listened to. It might have been the Cover Three podcast. I'll, trying to give credit where credit's due. Bud Elliott wasn't on it this week, so it was one of the other guys. But he was like, look, when most of these like, historic programs go through lulls, you always think they're going to get back to the good days. The problem is Clemson never had good days. Dabo was the only one they had good days under, so what do they go back to? I don't know. Clemson in. Exactly. And then the other thing is I, I do think – we all need to take a moment, realize this team is now three and four, which is not where we wanted to be, but our losses are aging well. Notre Dame still only has one loss to number two, Cincinnati. Wake Forest, shout out, is now undefeated. Uh, they just put up a 70-burger against, <laughs> against Army. Army. What was that? You think with a $800 million, billion dollar defense budget? Doesn't matter. Funny meme. Uh, you know, and then Syracuse, hey, they took down Virginia Tech, so our losses are aging well. We are. We seem to be on the upswing and maybe even peaking at the right time. And I'm very interested to see this matchup against Clemson this weekend, which we will preview on tomorrow's episode. So make sure y'all stop by then. Stop by every single day of the week. Go to YouTube. All that stuff. I'm Max. He's Dave. And this was Locked On Seminoles. Good old baby. <laughs>